in this ritual is very important. Huh, are you kidding? Stick my tongue to that stupid pole, that's dumb. That's cause you know it'll stick. You're full of it. Oh yeah? Yeah! Like double dog dare ya! Now it was serious. A double dog dare. What else was left but a triple dare you? And finally, the coup de grace of all dares, the sinister triple really dog good. dare. I triple dog dare ya! Schwartz created a slight breach of etiquette by skipping the triple dare and going right for the throat. All right, all right. Come on, Well, hello, church. Welcome to week two of Christmas at the Movies. And if you're a guest with us at our Bettendorf campus here at Rock Island or even online, I'm thrilled that you're here. Thanks for choosing to share this part of your weekend with us. We actually kicked off our Christmas at the Movies series last weekend with the help of the Christmas classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And we looked at how being misfits fits us. And if you missed that, you can go to heritageqc.com and you can find it under the media tab. But this weekend, with the help of another Christmas classic, we're going to dig into more truth out of Scripture. But for many of us, before we do that, Christmas is just an exciting time of year. It's a time where we can capture joy, create moments of joy. That can be around social gatherings, it can be around decorations and family traditions, gift exchanges, or even just family connection time. All of those are moments or catalysts of joy. And then they build our sense of anticipation. They, they make the season bright, right? And, and I wonder, at this point in the Christmas season, what you are anticipating this Christmas. What are you anticipating this Christmas? That's your first fill-in. If you're following along in the sermon note guide, you can go ahead and fill that in and just track through the scriptures and the teaching today if you'd like. But I wonder what you are anticipating this Christmas. Is it time with family? Is it the decorations, baking Christmas cookies, finding the perfect present for someone else. Those things, each of them build our sense of anticipation and they give us glimpses of joy. But what if joy required nothing but a choice? What if we could each live joyfully regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what we have or don't have? See, Christmas is an awesome time of year. I love Christmas. And as much as I love Christmas, I realize that many of us can get caught in a tension between what we have and don't have. 
between what we get and don't get. And, and we all want to receive the things that we want. And when we get something we don't want, that's a bit of a letdown. It's a bit of a disappointment. And there are certain types of gifts that are more likely to be that. Men, you know that you're not supposed to get your wives certain things as Christmas gifts, right? Yes, there's a list. If you don't know there's a list, you need to know there's a list. It was early on in my marriage with Beth. It was probably our first or second year that we were together and married that I saw on TV advertised the Hollywood dog training program. Now, we had a young puppy, and I had had several conversations with Beth about being more diligent in training her since we were in the military and I wasn't there to, to do it myself. And, and so in that moment, I bought it for her for Christmas. It was not good. The product was fine. It was the experience around it, not good at all. Listen, men, we know there are certain things we're not supposed to buy our brides for Christmas. Unless we have a formal waiver or a specific request, exercise equipment, cookware, and cleaning supplies all make the top of the list. Amen? Amen. The women are like, amen. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are. None of us look forward expectantly to the highly utilitarian needed things, the practical things in gift giving. And I wonder at this point what you are anticipating this Christmas, what you are looking forward to this Christmas. You know, for me, Christmas has always been a time of year filled with great anticipation. Here's a picture of my brother and I one early morning Christmas. That's me on the left, my brother on the right. And, and our family tradition at Christmas was to open Christmas presents early Christmas morning. We weren't allowed to open anything except Aunt Ruth's present the night before. And so we had to wait until a certain time, but there was such an anticipation for my brother and I. We spent many Christmas mornings really early when it was still dark, sitting in our doorways, talking down the hall to one another until we could reach the time to go wake up our parents and open up gifts. Just the anticipation was so strong. And as my brother got older, here's another picture coming up there. I'm still on the left. That's him in the back on the right. He started sleeping in. And I found myself alone in my doorway waiting for the time to come. And one Christmas, the anticipation was so great, I snuck out in the living room with a red lens flashlight, and I tried to see all the gifts that were out there. And I felt guilty, but the anticipation was killing me. But Christmas can be a season of great anticipation, and anticipation can be incredibly powerful, motivating factor. It can lead us to sneak out and look at presents before we should. But it can also lead us to become so consumed with the pursuit of attaining something that we can get lost in it. Just like Ralphie Parker did in the movie A Christmas Story. See, A Christmas Story is the account of nine-year-old Ralphie Parker in his pursuit, his passionate pursuit for a BB gun. It's based on the writings of Gene Shepard, and it depicts the, the normal challenges and joys of a family living in northern Indiana in 1939. And you don't have to have seen the movie to be able to relate to some of its quirky storyline. See, for Ralphie, Ralphie had great anticipation because he wanted something. He wanted a BB gun. In fact, it wasn't any BB gun. It was a BB gun like this. Now, let me just alleviate your concerns. The tech team have made this and rendered it safe. It's disabled. But look, it is exactly the beauty he wanted. He wanted a Red Rider carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle. This thing right here. And it consumed him. It drove him. It compelled him. And anticipation can be a very powerful driving force. 
We've all felt it. You may be feeling a sense of anticipation as we approach Christmas even now. And listen, it feels good. Anticipation feels good. Because anticipation is an element of excitement. There's this sense of foretaste to it, this, this that things yet to come. In fact, the dictionary defines it this way. That anticipation is the act of looking forward, especially pleasurable expectation. We know that that's what anticipation is. But there's another definition to it. It's also this, a prior action that takes into account or forestalls a later action. So anticipation melds past, present, and future. It's our present impacted by what was and what is to come. And Ralphie wanted one of these. His anticipation of it in the future impacted his present. And he was positioned with the opportunity to live with joyful anticipation if he would just trust that he would receive it. Because if you're still tracking in your sermon note guide, the next fill-in is that joy is a choice based in belief, not circumstances. True joy is based in a choice of belief, not circumstances. It's not, it's not a product of experience. It's a byproduct of faith. Belief. And, and I wonder, with less than three weeks away till we get to Christmas... I wonder what you're finding joy in. I wonder what you're looking forward to, hoping for, anticipating, even asking for. Ralphie wanted the air rifle, the Red Rider carbine action 200 shot range model air rifle. That's what he wanted. But I wonder what you're asking for this Christmas. Or better yet, what are you asking God for this Christmas? Are you asking him to fix something, provide something, do something? Whatever it is, did you know that Jesus said that God knows what we need even before we ask? Let me show you. Let's going to jump to Matthew chapter 6. This is the, the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, we're starting in verses 7 and 8. Here's what Jesus said. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you, what? Need. Your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. I love that about our God. He knows what we need even before we ask. And what's interesting about this for me is that Jesus says, don't babble about it. He says, using repetition as a means of being heard is pointless. Not because God doesn't hear, but, but, be, but because it's not necessary. God knows what we need even before we ask. Yet, yet too many people get caught up in repetition thinking and repetition asking. And we've all seen a child do this. I was at a store this, just this week where I saw a child going, please, 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 please. And that's never endearing to a parent. Never. But many do it. And even Ralphie kind of leaned toward it as he dropped hints and he hid notes and he blurted out his desire. And I think we can do the same kind of thing with God. But God knows what we need even before we ask. We're not telling him new information. He knows. But here's the thing. We still need to ask. 
we still need to ask. And how we ask is important. See, there's no question that, that Jesus encouraged, repeatedly encouraged prayer. He modeled it. He taught it. He even directed it. And he gave us insight into the reality that it matters how we ask. And, and meaningless repetition is one thing to consider. But I want to look at a few other things that we need to be aware of in how we pursue God and ask of God. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it, turn or click to Matthew chapter 7. One, seven, one chapter later than what we just read, from 6 to 7. We're going to start in verse 7. This is still part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a section of teaching where Jesus has been talking about a whole bunch of different things. But at this point in chapter 7, starting with verse 7, he's going to focus down in on prayer. And we can find a very similar teaching in the book of Luke, chapter 11. And you can check that out at some other point. But let's take a look at what he says in Matthew 7, starting with verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, Jesus already said, previous chapter, chapter 6, same two verses, 7 and 8. He already said that we shouldn't use insincere repetition, saying the same thing over and over so God will finally hear us. Jesus never taught us to do that. But he did teach that what it matters what we ask for and how we ask for it. And he affirms the value of persistence. He actually encourages us to persist in pursuing God, not to quit asking. And in the Luke account, there's actually another story of persistence attached to it where one friend goes to another and asks them for bread. And it's an example of, how, of showing how persistence pays off. So Jesus taught and encouraged persistence, not repetition. But I think we often fall into repetition or we give up asking after a few meager attempts of requesting something of God. Because we too quickly think that he can't or that he won't help. Yet Jesus says, persist. He even tells a parable about a persistent widow at one other point. Yet what's interesting here is that amidst the element of persistence, we find a progression. Jesus specifically says, ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Let's just break that down for a minute, because if we take those three words, ask, seek, knock, the first letters of each word spell the word ask, and maybe this will be helpful for you as you seek to pursue the things of God. Because when we start with asking, to ask is something basic. It, it's, it's a minimal starting point. If we're very familiar with making an ask, it's common, but it's minimal. We raise the bar, we move to seeking, because seeking actually communicates a desire. There's a distinct pursuit. It, it's something that takes time, and it implies a greater urgency. Yet even still, to knock raises the bar even further. It shows a determination to get an answer. So think about it this way. If you go to your neighbor's house and you stand on the porch and you say, hello, is anybody home? You're asking. If you ring the doorbell and start to look in each of the windows, you're seeking. <laughs> but if you go there, say, is anybody home? You look in the windows, ring the doorbell, and start knocking on the door and saying, hey, are you in there? Are you in there? You're going to get a different response, right? It's a different level of engagement asking, seeking, knocking, looking, ringing, persisting. To ask, to seek, to knock gets a different response. 
And I, in a way, I think Ralphie did all of these with his parents. Yet I wonder how many of us stop too soon without asking, seeking, knocking. But to ask, seek, and knock fundamentally reveals a level of trust. We don't ask, seek, or knock when we lack all trust. Trust is key because God's goodness, you're still tracking in your note guide, is only fully realized in the context of trust. God's goodness, his great goodness, is only fully realized in the context of trust. When we engage in persistence, our persistence in prayer is not about trying to overcome his reluctance to answer. If that's our takeaway, we've missed the point. Persistence is not about overcoming reluctance, but proving our posture. It's demonstrating our dependence, demonstrating our belief, our expectancy. It's demonstrating our trust. And that's the context that God most desires to pour out his goodness. His goodness is only fully realized in the context of trust. And he is good. He is a good, good father. And he wants to pour out his goodness through his presence with a C and his provision and his power and his purpose. But we won't see it until we choose to trust. Because as we trust, he moves. He responds. He does more. And he knows what we need. But we still need to ask to show we trust. We need to ask to show we trust. In fact, we should keep on asking. We should not stop asking, not lose heart in asking, because unlike people, God is a good God, and he is not reluctant to answer. Look at what Jesus goes on to say in verse 9. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, that's pretty cool. Jesus very clearly describes a child asking for good and needed things of their father and the father being willing to provide them. Bread, not a stone. A fish, not a snake. And then he goes on to highlight that if a faulty human father knows how to give good gifts, God, who is perfect and good, can do even more. Make sense? Yes, absolutely. But, but knowing he can is not our issue. Knowing he can give good gifts is not our issue. The issue for many of us is trusting that he will. You know, it's especially true when, when we've asked for something and he seemingly doesn't give it or respond. Or it's even more challenging if we've expressed some, experienced something that is hard or painful, something that we wish we never would have experienced. In those moments, our trust begins to waver and we can be tempted to embrace doubt which will inherently affect our ability to see his goodness every time. Every time. You know what Ralphie's biggest problem was? You know why he was consumed with the pursuit of a Red Rider carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle? He didn't trust his parents to get him what he wanted or needed. He knew they could, he just didn't trust they would. And so he actually takes matters into his own hands. 
He had tried working the system a bit. He dropped notes and hints along the way. But when he didn't see that seeming to be working, he upped the stakes and he goes to ask Santa. But that doesn't go the way he expected either. It actually leads to some more disappointment because he chokes under the pressure of the moment. Let me show you what happens. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? <laughs> My mind had gone blank. Frantically, I tried to remember what it was I wanted. I was blowing it, blowing it. Come on, kid. How about a nice uh, football? 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 What's a football? Without conscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Okay, get him out of here. A football? Oh, no. Okay, what was I doing? Wake up, is. stupid. Wake up. No. Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Ralphie wanted that rifle so badly, the anticipation and the desire for it so badly that he took matters into his own hands. He didn't trust his parents to get him what he wanted or needed. And so he tried another way. And that led to further disappointment. Ralphie knew his parents could provide the rifle. He just didn't trust that they would. And I think that parallels many of our relationships with God. How we interact with him. We know he can. But we don't trust that he will. And I think there are two things that complicate that dynamic. Complicate it for us and complicated it for Ralphie. They're timing and safety. Timing and safety. It's what complicated things and challenged the relationship for Ralphie with his parents and contributed to the breakdown that he experienced. First thing was timing. That was an issue because Ralphie had to wait. And waiting is hard, especially when we have a great sense of anticipation. Waiting challenges our trust. When I was... About Ralphie's age, maybe a year older, I wanted a rifle as well, but it wasn't one of these. I wanted a musket. See, I was into Civil War history, and I wanted a replica musket to have realistic things to play, the tools to play that with, my, with my friends. And, and I had a grandfather who was a, was a skilled woodworker, so I asked him to make me a musket. And he agreed. And I waited. And I waited. After an extended period of time, I started to wonder if he'd forgotten. I wondered if maybe he really didn't want to make it for me. So that summer, while on vacation at an amusement park, I bought one of those cheap muskets in one of the shops, the ones that can just snap a cap. And I came home from that summer vacation, and I showed my grandfather. Immediately, I saw the disappointment in his face. It was clear he had intended to give me what I wanted, and it would have been much better than the cheap thing I bought. But I couldn't wait. I became impatient. I knew that he could provide it, but I didn't trust that he would. I didn't trust my grandfather in that moment. Ralphie didn't trust his parents. And I think you and I can do the same thing with God. Of the things that we're asking of him. We can ask, and then ask again. But because of an issue of timing, 
But we don't see a response. We get impatient. We take matters into our own hands. And we even ignore warning signs of danger. And we end up with a result that's not good. Timing was an issue. The other issue was safety. What, what was Ralphie told about the rifle every time he brought it up? His mom, his teacher, and Santa. You'll shoot your eye out. Yeah, it's appropriate for parents to keep their kids safe. It's diligently monitor safety because what we want isn't always the same as what we need. In fact, we could say that what we want isn't necessarily what we need. We can desire something that we don't actually need. It can be unsafe, but God loves you. He is concerned for your well-being. He knows what you need and when you need it. He knows when you're praying for snakes, when you're asking for something harmful, something that you'll shoot your eye out with. God knows, therefore he doesn't give us everything we ask for, and in that moment we're positioned to choose trust or not. He doesn't give us everything we ask for, not because he's selfish or mean or stingy. He wants to give us good gifts, and he knows what we need and when that should come. And if you've been asking God for something and have not seen a response, it may be time for you to consider why. Maybe it's timing or safety. Last week, we looked at a passage out of Jeremiah 29. I want to go back to verse 11 for a moment. This is what it says, words of God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper, prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Prosper you and not to harm you. So you don't shoot your eye out. See, this is what the Lord has. And, and I, I, this is what he desires. And I wonder if what you're asking for is in direct conflict with that. That it's actually harmful. It's not according to his timing. It's not his plan or his purpose. Maybe you're asking for snakes. You're asking for something that will harm you or be a harm to others. And although persistence is an important part of the process... What we are asking for matters as well. And are you asking for something that will cause harm? Maybe not. Maybe you're simply asking for a stone. It's not inherently harmful, it's just not helpful. There's no nutritional value to a stone. Something that won't give hope or a future. And that leads us close to where we started. What are you asking God for this Christmas? What are you asking God for this Christmas? Anticipating. What have you stopped asking Him for? What are you trying right now to make happen because you don't trust Him? You've stopped asking, you've given up, and you've taken it into your own hands. God wants to provide good gifts. I don't mean video games, new clothes, or techie gadgets. I'm talking about the deeper things of life like healing and hope and reconciliation, forgiveness, strength, salvation. Are you asking, seeking, knocking? What are you asking God for this Christmas? Whatever it is, do you trust Him enough to wait in eager expectation, anticipation? When we follow Jesus, He provides hope and the kind of hope we have is more than wishful thinking about the future. It's, it's even more than tentative expectancy. It is an overwhelming confidence that God will perform what he promises. Do you have that confidence? David, 
He was an Old Testament king. He wrote many psalms. He wrote this, Psalm 5, verse 3. He said, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Do you do that? Are you willing to do that? Do you trust your Heavenly Father enough to know that He knows what is best? That He knows your deepest desires and wants? Ralphie didn't trust his parents to give the right gift. And as a result, he became obsessed with the pursuit of what he wanted. And you know what? It was all for naught. Because his faulty earthly father knew what he wanted and needed, and he got him the rifle. But he put it in the corner of the room until the right time. And your good Heavenly Father knows exactly what you need when you need it, even before you ask Him. So choose to trust. Give Him control. Give Him everything that you are. Give all of yourself to Him. Because if you're going to experience joy, joy ultimately is not in what we have. It's not in the things we possess. It's not in what we have. It's in who has us. Joy is a choice based in belief, not circumstance. It's not the product of experience. It's the byproduct of belief. And it's rooted in trust, not treasure. It's rooted in belief. And if your stuff has you, you're going to have fleeting joy, but not lasting joy. The only way to have lasting joy, the secret to lasting joy, is that we are rightly related to Jesus. That he has us. Where's your joy? Let's go to some so what straight up challenges. Let me just, I want to give you three specific challenges. The first is dare to believe. I dare you to believe. I dare you to believe and take Jesus at his word. To invite him to sit on the throne of your heart and life this Christmas and believe. You can get there right now. You can experience that reality right now by a conversation with him. On the back of the note guide, on the upper section, are three simple steps and an example, conversation, or prayer where you can move into a relationship where you dare to believe, where you choose to believe, and you experience new life in Him. I dare you to believe this Christmas. Here's what Jesus says. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. I dare you to believe in him this Christmas. The second thing I want to challenge you to do is that I double dog dare you (laughs) to ask. Double dog dare to ask. To lay your requests before him and wait. Jesus said this in John 15, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's fantastic. So I double dog dare you to ask. As you believe, ask God to give you what you need this Christmas. Not just what you want or desire, but what you need. Not stones, not snakes, not pink bunny pajamas, (laughs) but what you need. Rather, his good gifts. Double dog dare to ask. Then finally, 
I triple dog dare you to trust. Yes, I did. Coup de gras. I triple dog dare you to trust. Corey Tenboom once said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. She's right. And I triple dog dare you to trust. Jesus himself said this. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Jesus says, trust him. And we can believe and we can ask. And that is good. But what we do after that matters just as much. It matters just as much as how we ask and what we ask. So trust. Jesus knows what you need before you even ask. Wait on him. Don't take matters into your own hands, but rather choose to believe and trust. Whether it's difficult or easy, whether it's a blessing or a hardship that that he leads you into, trust him and trust him to lead you through it. And if you're actually ready to do that, if you have the courage enough to do that, you're bold enough to step into that today, I want to triple dog dare you to have a conversation with him today like this. In fact, I want to encourage you to even silently pray this as I read this aloud. Lord, I choose to trust you. You know the desires of my heart. You know what I want and what I need. I want you to be the source of my joy. So I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly for you to provide what I need when I need it. I will receive whatever you have for me with joyful anticipation. I ask you to do your will in my life and I trust you to lead me in it. My friends, this is where we experience lasting joy. Regardless of what you experience in circumstances, regardless of what you have or don't have, this is where you find true joy. It takes faith to follow God, but it also takes follow-through. And I think too many of us stop with faith and belief, and we never move down the tracks to trust. So don't give up in your efforts to seek Him. Believe, ask, and then trust as you let Him decide what you need. I dare you. You know, it's interesting for me that, that the original writings of Gene Shepard that, that that they got the movie from. The title of it was, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. <laughs> I find it interesting because the only place that we'll experience joy is when we choose to believe and we choose to trust. It's apart from circumstances. And this Christmas, I dare you to believe. I double dog dare you to trust, or to, to ask, and I triple dog dare you to trust. Then watch what God does in response. He will move in ways you never thought possible. Because in the words of the psalmist, here's the reality. We're depending on God. He's everything we need. What's more, our hearts brim with joy since we've taken for our own his holy name. Love us, God, with all you've got. That's what we're depending on. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that in this time of year that you are a good, good father. That no matter the circumstances, what we have or don't have, we can choose to trust. We can choose to believe. 
and you are faithful and good. You are the giver of good gifts. I pray, Father, that you would forgive us for when we have taken matters into our own hands, we've tried to do it on our own, we've doubted you, where we purchased something that was cheap at a park rather than allowing you to craft something of great value for us. Father, I pray that you would communicate with each one of us where you want us to dare to trust you, to ask, to believe. May we be a people who boldly do that, who aren't afraid, who aren't afraid, God, to step into the unknown because we know you. I love you. I can't wait to see what you do in and through us as we wait upon you and as we choose to trust with joyful anticipation. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.